There we go. Good morning, everybody. It's the day after after Thanksgiving, day after Black Friday. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday. Get a little bit of time off. This is Phil Stevens, strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and I run strength field. Hey, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I work for the Kerrigan Institute, associate professor there, created the Flex Diet and Physiologic Flexibility Certs. And still down here in South Padre, Texas, uh, hanging out, kiteboarding, and had ceviche with friends on Thanksgiving instead of turkey. So that looked good. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> this is Coach Durrell out of Olathe, who run the uh, Strength Guild in Olathe. Um, backgrounds, a little bit in weightlifting, a little bit of CrossFit, a little bit of this and that. I got a fun one we'll start with because we are bringing back the, I just announced it this week. After a few year hiatus, we're bringing back the Strength Guild Games. Nice. And we're getting a big, uh, I I, I posted this up on on the social media and it kind of went crazy. So that's a good thing. But uh, like I said, we took a couple years off and what the event is, I explained to everybody, it's a team event, four person teams. So. One heavyweight man, one heavyweight woman, one lightweight man, one lightweight woman. Two-day competition. It's a made up of a mixture of pretty much all the strength sports as well as short explosive track and field. So uh, it's four to five events a day, two days. There's usually always one, at least one uh, event where the whole, your whole team competes together, like a tug-of-war or something like that. So... Um, yeah, so we're bringing that back. It's a couple of days. It's always a lot of fun. First day's fun. Second day, everybody kind of limps in there. But <laughs> for, for day two, uh, I remember the last one. I think it was a five event one. Five event, two days. So event 10 on day two was max deadlift. Oh, Jesus. And yeah, it ended up, it, we had strong teams there. So JP Price was there and it ended up, I was like, I was the big deadlifter at the time, and uh, I was like, God, I hope I don't have to do too much. And they kept just up in the fucking bar, so I had to keep jumping over them by five pounds. But I had to, on the 10th event, day two, I had to pull 700 to win. Ooh. It was like, holy crap. Yeah, I was wrecked after that. But, <laughs> if anybody's interested, drop me a line. I'll be, I told everybody I'll, I'll have the events and everything in place by probably end of December, and it'll be happening in I haven't picked yet, but end of May, beginning of June. So if you feel like getting a team together, come on out. should be a lot of fun. We'll get some sponsors and stuff behind us. Go and they, is it a four-person team then, Phil? It is, yep. Two women, two men, heavyweight and lightweight to each. And, okay. Uh, and then the way we set up scoring, it's like it's like strongman. So you, if you take first place, you get one point. But like a... I don't know, like a best ball golf tournament. Like you a take, golf score. Yeah, and you take the best score. So let's say, I don't know, one person on your team takes first in their event. That's what your team takes. Oh, cool. But, but there's, it's a good thing to get, like the how we won was we t- we had a couple events where we took first and all four of us took first. Let's say all four of your people right. take first. That means no other team can get only one point. You know, mm-hmm. you're stopping other teams from tying you. Um, and we have a tiebreaker, but we've never had to use it, oddly enough. So I figured you figured we would after years, but uh, never had to pull out, pull out the tiebreaker. Thank goodness. But <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
And uh, so you get some weightlifting in there, some Highland Games, some strongman, some powerlifting, and some track and field. So kind of got to be at least have a well-rounded team if you're not a well-rounded athlete. So it's uh, uh-huh. a lot of fun. If people are just by themselves, do you kind of assemble any stragglers into a team? Yeah, I, if, if you have, if there's anybody by themselves, just drop us a line, and uh, other people drop me a line all the time, so we can try and patch some teams together for yeah, time. yeah, which would be no big deal. So that's like Brian out of Ohio that just went to our went to the powerlifting meet with us. He wants to do one, so I was like, okay, I'll help you patch one together, man. So nice. Yeah, we can always try and plug people in there. So. And what do you consider the heavyweight for? Oh. Heavyweight for who? Uh, for men and women, like what are the what's considered the cutoff for that? One sixty heavyweight and lightweight. Yeah, one sixty five. Anything one sixty five and over for women, and two twenty and over for men. Okay, so two twenty. Got it. Yep. Yeah, yep. I'm back in the same same place I was before, where it's like finding two twenty plus men is going to be the hardest part for our squad. That's honestly <laughs> both heavyweights uh, for us is tough. Really? My old, yeah. My old ass might have to come out of retirement on this thing. And that's like, oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see what the events are. Because what I do for the events is basically I have a sheet uh, that lists all the events. And I roll dice. So it's random how they pop up. So I just it's like a 36-sided dice and <laughs> roll it. and Oh, we're doing shot put. Last mm. year we had javelin and it was fucking hilarious. Oh Jesus! Nobody knew how to do it. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so, so it was actually a lot of fun, and it was kind of a break because then at least you're not a right. You know, what a challenging event, you know? You had this little break in it where you got to laugh at each other as you tried to throw sticks. But, <laughs> uh, in the track, there's nothing. I can promise you this: you will not have to run more than 100 meters. Oh, so, so they're shorter events. Yeah, they're all short events. So it's a hundred meter dash, four hundred meter relay, standing long jump, shot put, discus, uh, javelin. You know that that stuff. Mm. So, yeah, there's no running like four hundred meters by yourself. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not even a four hundred meter by yourself. It's, no, it's just that's not our focus, and that's not what we want to get on. I don't want to be the tiebreaker. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, five k, five k tiebreaker. Just the heavy heavyweight, heavyweight men and women. Yeah. Men and women for a 400 meter relay. So one yeah, 400, right. then another 400. Oh, oh, <laughs> Yak <Yeah>. City. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be bad. Oh. We somehow we did the 400 meter relay last time, and this was prior to my hip replacement. And my fat ass hobbled down that field, and somehow like we we wrote it off. We're like, okay, guys, we got to do really well on the other events. Because we're going to get our ass kicked in this. <laughs> and somehow we pulled it off. Well, Jarrell had a fucking KU sprinter on his team, and she pulled her hamstring. Uh, oh. So that helped. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, and it gives you a taste of the Highland Games. You know, it gives you a taste of all the different sports. So, um, like, I really sucked in the snatch. But I had Lep on my team and a couple other people that could snatch, so that helped. Uh, yeah. So nice. Anybody's interested? Like I said, I'll look look on social media. I'll have it posted by the end of December. That gives pl- people plenty of time to figure things out, and then the events will be up too. So if you have a chance, you can practice them, and it won't be anything that like well, aside from the Highland Games. 
like I'm not going to make any specialty strongman equipment where it's like, fuck, I can't even practice that unless I'm there. Um, it'll be normal stuff, you know, <laughs> so, so we don't get an advantage, uh, by having the home field equipment or whatever, but yeah, come beat us, try and take away the flag, you know, whatever team wins, gets a banner with their picture on it and tells them they won the 20, I guess at this point it would be the 2022 strength field games. So they get to take it home and brag, get bragging rights for a year. So that's all I got, man. That's all I got as far as news goes. And then where do they go to register? It'll be on strengthguild.com. Strengthguild.com. Got it. Yep, I'll post it up there too. So, And I, I can put a thing in there for individuals so we can have. Yeah, if I form. do that, just have a form for individuals. That way we can get several, and I won't have you pay until we actually put a team together. It's oh, going to nice. be high. It's 25 bucks a piece. It's $100 for a four-person team. So oh. $25 a piece. Come in. So, so this is obviously your big moneymaker for the oh, year. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I won't have to work the rest <laughs> of the year after we do this. I'm just going to retire for the this, whole rest of the year. This is what's replacing the Arnold? Yep. Yeah. Yep. This is it. <laughs> this is it. And I believe in the past you've had adult-style beverages and possibly music, so to speak. Uh, we'll see at this one. We did at Windler's Thing. Yeah, Windler's Oh, Windler's Thing. thing. That's what I was thinking And, of, and yeah. we, we might be doing that again. We'll see. That's Windler's Call. He wants to do it again. It's just we get so many people coming from Canada and Europe. That's why we had to cancel last time. Oh. Um, because of the corona. They couldn't get here. They you know, yeah, and yeah. Not, we're not going to make people freaking like quarantine for two weeks to come compete in this. Right, uh, right. So that's what we're waiting on is making sure at least the majority of people can travel. Right, right. So because we don't want to have to because we were fuck last time the last event we were set up to have a big one. Um, Elite Fitness signed in as the main sponsor and we had a bunch of other sponsors and so we had all this cash to give away and then we had to cancel it. <laughs> that sucked and we don't want to do that again. I don't. Yeah. You know, I would rather not plan it than than plan it and have to shut it down again. Yeah, totally agree. So, so we're waiting for the climate to be right, so to speak. Yes, but yeah, there's some Junior Pan Am thing going on, Drell. I'm gonna leave you up to you. I couldn't find anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I just saw it from the weightlifting standpoint. I mean, the the landscape for all the weightlifting stuff is just, I mean, it's just odd to me right now because. They just had a Pan Ams with juniors, and I think it was just weightlifting. Yeah. But this is like a big games, and they're doing a little bit different where they have, if you get a medal, which I, I know we have two athletes who've, I think, took first place spots that looked like, I would just say, not the A team for mm-hmm. USA. Like, they're really good weightlifters, like on the way up, but and you, you get an automatic bid to senior Pan Ams, which I think is... I want to say next year or whatever, but it's all has something to do with point scoring. But I think they're trying to make Pan Am games like a little mini Olympics. Gotcha. I think, I think that's what this is all about. Like trying to make this like a, you know, for the Pan American countries, like a little Olympics and like yeah. trying to grow that. Cause I know Europe was trying to do that for a while too, where they were trying to have every event, mm-hmm. but it didn't, it didn't work out. I don't think so. Everyone does their own thing, so. Yeah, I'm trying to find more about it. They have their own little, it looks like it's in, somewhere in Colombia. Valade, uh, I think it's in whatever. Cali. 
It's in Cali. The weightlifting is okay. in Cali, Colombia. Yep. Yeah. So Cali, and it says Cali, then Valley, whatever, Colombia. Yeah. It looks like they got a little bit of everything. I'm finding handball, boxing, track cycling, gymnastics, diving, BMX, judo. Yeah. So like a mini mm-hmm. Olympics for, uh, Pan American companies, countries. I mean, some of those sports that even that you just named are like, it's like not a lot. A lot of those are even in favor with the actual Olympic community. Yeah, yeah. Like almost all of those are. Mm-hmm. I mean, weightlifting is the only one that's like in trouble of, yeah. of those. But I don't know. I think the Olympics are kind of in a weird spot with the digital age and streaming and stuff because I think they could do a lot better job each on each sport individually. Whereas oh, yeah. before, you know, you had to do. You had to pick, you had to like guess what was going to be the most popular events and play those at mm-hmm. prime times and stuff. But with the, you know, with streaming, it's like if you're super into weightlifting, you could just stream the weightlifting. You shouldn't have mm-hmm. any, there shouldn't be a hiccup to that. Yeah. Or that's NBC's fault, but, um, <laughs> you know, the same with like judo or those kind of sports, which probably have a very niche demographic, but, if you streamed it, like everyone would tune in, you could probably get some advertising dollars that way. Yeah, and a smaller sport, dude, you need like one dude and a laptop. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't need a lot. <laughs> so. so, and then then you can have the main stuff. Like obviously, you know, it's gymnastics, and yeah. those are the primary sports that like go big on primetime TV. But I, I think. It, if they did a little bit better job of streaming, which I feel like there's no excuse not to at this point. I feel like everyone does a pretty good stream of their sports. Like even if it's kind of bad or it drops sometimes, like everyone pretty much does a pretty good stream of their sports. Like CrossFit does a pretty good stream of everything and then strongman and so on and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one though. And just talk about streaming. Sorry, we're getting off topic here, but like why the hell hasn't world strongest man gone live yet? I still that makes that no sense. To me. Boggles my mind. Because everybody knows what who wins. Like it gets out there that day, and they're like, "Well, you don't get to watch it for six months." Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that should be live by now. That's just a dumb move on their part, in my opinion. But especially the still the internet. You yeah. No. Yes, exactly. You know who won. Somebody's there with their iPhone telling you. Mm-hmm. They still have a. Uh... They still play that on ESPN. I knew ESPN yep. was going to drop them for a little bit, but as far as I know, it's still on ESPN. Yeah. Well, that's that's crazy still because ESPN actually does have pretty good, you know, streaming mm-hmm. background. Like they stream stuff all the time. Like they're, yep. Yeah. You know, Not mm-hmm. that, man. They take the time <laughs> to edit it. So. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. Yep. Anything going on in your world, Mike? studies or anything uh it was pretty quiet this week actually i went to try to find one and i didn't unfortunately come up with too much so maybe the academics are taking a holiday break so i don't know this could be a slow week in general i think i I, I have one for you that uh the owner here he's he's on this kick now but Mm -hmm. um the phthalates and plastics and dropping testosterone yeah. So should, we, should we switch all of our uh, all of our utensils and everything to glass and metal, or are we all right? There, 
It's one of those things where it's like everybody wants the easy answer. And I looked at this a couple of years ago, so there might be some newer stuff. Um, Dr. Brian Walsh has a lot of really good information on this that's not batshit crazy, which is good. <laughs> um, there is actually some truth to the endocrine disruptors, and there is actually some human studies on it. The really weird part, too, is that they have this kind of biphasic, not even a biphasic, but they can be an issue at smaller amounts and then moderate, maybe, and then they don't really become an issue again until, like, super high amounts. So it's not this nice linear-shaped curve because most things are not linear at all. But in practice, what I do is kind of, I'd say, middle of the road. Because you have some people who become completely neurotic, right? They're like, oh, my God, it touched plastic. I, I can't drink out of it. Like, my protein shakers, oh, oh it's all horrible. Mm-hmm. And... Maybe, but uh, I'm not too convinced by that data. Uh, the thing I get worried about is if you're heating a lot of stuff in plastic. Um, mm-hmm. The mold studies on saran wrap is actually just horrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, go figure, right? Because all the things they yeah. probably have to put in it to make it flexible. And then if yeah. you heat it, that's when they all get kind of exposed. So what I tend to do is if I'm storing stuff that's cold in plastic, I I don't worry too much about it. I mean, I still use plastic, you know, shaker cups for protein and uh, we'll put cut up fruit in, you know, plastic containers or, you know, protein that's already cooled and store it in a plastic container in the fridge. I don't know. I don't get too worried about that. If I'm heating anything up, though, like if I bring food with, I usually use like a metal thermos. If I preheat it and then stick it in there, it'll stay hot for four to six hours or so. I got that tip from Stan Efferding. And if I'm heating something, I use either ceramic or glass. So if I'm making food, I'll put it in there. So that way I can just, you know, heat it in the microwave. Um, Oddly enough, we don't even have a microwave anymore. Not because I'm worried about it, just because it broke four years ago and we don't have a Mm -hmm. lot of counter space. And that got converted Mm -hmm. to the coffee station. And I was too cheap to buy a new microwave and didn't know where (laughs) we're going to put it. So we just lived without it. (laughs) And we haven't really missed it too much. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but for traveling and stuff, you know, we're down here. We still use a microwave. Uh, I'll use glass when I'm heating uh, things up then because I, I do think they, as you heat things, the risk probably goes up quite a bit. And I'll just cover it with a, you know, ceramic plate or something like that. So yeah. it's kind of middle of the road. I mean, there's some maybe some testing you can do on that. And so with clients, like out of all the things I could possibly do with them, like, that's pretty far down at the bottom of the list. Is it a right. thing? Yeah, there's some data to say it's probably a, a thing. But the ironic part is, like, the the questions I get from this, especially when I was you know doing more conferences and stuff from people, you ask them, you're like, okay, well, how many hours a night do you sleep? Oh, like five. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you monitor your stress at all? Ah, no. It's like, do you do any aerobic training? No, I just lift and... My lifts have been going down. I I think it's my low testosterone. It's like, okay, there's probably a whole bunch of other things, you know, vitamin D, micronutrition, go down the list that I would definitely look at before I would be like, oh, what do you think about phthalates in your plastic? That's got to be it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think for some people it can be an issue, um, but yeah, for, for most people I would say there's a whole bunch of other things I'd look at on the list first and you know, if it's still not responding, then, you know, maybe. 
but odds are you're going to need a good endocrinologist to try to, you know, sort yeah. out what part of the feedback loop is all broken too. So. Yeah, like you said, I think most people worrying about that. It's like it's the it's the dude that's going out and getting shit faced every weekend and smokes a pack a day, and he's like, "But I don't use plastic." <laughs> I know. <laughs> I might go I to mean, the gym this week. <laughs> yeah, I forget I forget the name, and then I think it's a lady who's kind of I want to say popularized it, but I don't. So what he brought up was the uh, the you know. Was it testosterone dropping by like one percent every year since like nineteen sixty or something like that? Yeah. And then fertility rates going down, which I mean, I don't, I, I didn't see anywhere where this person said, uh, like, this is a direct, you know, causation. It was more like this could be it. But also, right. since nineteen sixty, we've, I would just say, at least men in general, have gotten. I wouldn't say lazier, but we're just less active. We do less stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Body weight's definitely a lot higher, and it's not muscle for general population. Yeah. I at mean, least in the U.S. A lot of stuff like that, I feel like, you know, I mean, I feel like science is kind of a lowest hanging fruit first sort of process. And you would look at all these things that are very obvious indicators first before you really were like, okay, let's, you know, get rid of all these plastics. But, yeah. Um, and I have the same experience, like people who are very detailed with, you know, a net, like there's some nebulous detail they get hooked on. Right. Mm-hmm. But then they miss this, you know, the big picture of things where it's like, yeah, that could be a problem. But if I have, you know, are you hitting your protein every day? Like that's hitting your protein every day, getting enough calories, training hard, sleeping, the basic stuff, if you're doing the basic, you know, call it like BLGs, like the basic lifestyle guidelines, like some meditation, some sleeping, and making sure your nutrition's on point, then all the other stuff can maybe become a thing, but I don't even think you would notice for the most part. Like, it'd be very tough to notice that separation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that gets into even if we took your testosterone from 400 to 620. Right. And let's say those are actual legitimate, you know, blood draws. Would you really notice that much of a difference if it's a slight increase? Now, that probably is statistically significant. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think if you are super low, you know, if you're in, you know, 200 to mm-hmm. 300 or 400, I think, yeah, you're probably going to notice that on the low end of the curve. Yeah. Um, and I've taken a few people and I've just said, OK, if, you know. If you think this is an issue, cool. Then go get your blood drawn. Do it in a legit manner from a legit lab. You know, get rid of all the phthalates or whatever thing you're going to do for eight to twelve weeks, and then Test again. measure it again. <laughs> I mean, this is pretty pretty testable. Um, yeah. And you know, the handful of people I've told that just in general, ah, I've never heard back from them, so I don't know if they did it or not. It's probably too much work. <laughs> I feel like we have the same experience across the board. It's like the the more nebulous the detail, it's like the less likely there's going to be some follow up on it. Like right, right. It's like, but you just told me you're super convinced of this, so let let let's see it. You know, yeah, yeah let's put it on paper. Let's go. Right. Yep. Yep. No follow through is the uh, is definitely the default answer usually. Yeah. I mean, the, there's no skin in the game. You yep. know, like I, yeah. 
stick to I something for 12 weeks. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the, the stick to something for 12 weeks, test and retest. Yeah. You know how hard it is to get people to the retest? <laughs> like, well, like having actually followed through and then retested. It's yeah. like people have, like when they set that first goal, they're so excited and everything, but it's like three weeks and then it's not cool anymore, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we have eight more, you know, nine more weeks to go. Let's keep the change. That's normal, man. That goes into goal yeah. setting and stuff we've talked about. And, yeah, you know, everybody looks at the, everybody looks at the, the finish line. And they don't look at what it takes to get there, and then they get in the midst of trying to get there. And they're, man, this sucks. I hurt. I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> it fucking sucks. <laughs> it looks awesome to be badass until you have to try and be badass, <laughs> and then you realize how much work it is. So there's a reason why not everybody's in the NFL besides genetics. You know, you actually got to work hard. So. I need just. I think most people underappreciate the variability of. You're going to have some really, really good days, and you're going to have some just absolute shit days. And most of them, if you're doing everything correctly, are going to be okay. Um, and that's just kind of how it goes. Everybody thinks that every day is going to be epic. And then <clears throat> I know I'm guilty of this, too. Like, you have a really good day, and you're like, oh, I solved it. I cracked the problem. Every day is yeah. going to be amazing now, and your next yeah. day is just shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <sighs> what was the topic we were gonna roll on? I don't even remember now. Volume versus intensity. Volume versus intensity. Oh, you you had the question, Darrell. So head it off, and then we'll we'll shoot from there. Oh, I was I wouldn't even say it was necessarily the question, but probably a a more nuanced slash controversial opinion. I I know. Phil, you and I kind of share this, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure where you stand on this, Dr. Nelson, but um, that we utilize, you know, lower weights and like what most people who come into our gyms feel like is an insane amount of volume to make progress. Whereas like, I just feel like that's the, I would almost say like the natural way. Like it just feels, even when I put it on paper and I see people go through it, like volume in the 60 to 80% range for weeks and weeks. And then just a kind of mid range of strength, like 80 to 95%. We almost like never try to go there. Yeah. You know, we spend a lot more time and a lot more reps. Like we're, I know I'm outside of curl up and start for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know like your 50 rep squat days, like we're way outside of. Yeah you know, Philippines chart where we utilize volume to build the base of strength over time and then only have like the heavier weights towards the end of our training cycles where like you're displaying your strength, so to speak, yep. not really building it there. I, I would only say this is controversial in the sense of like most people, like if you just go to the gym and most people come in here who think like, oh, I have to be adding weight to the bar every single time I come in or I'm, I'm a piece of shit or something. I don't know. (laughs) But it's like every time they have to, they're trying to, you know, that linear progression, which isn't like that does exist. And I, I appreciate that as well. But I just think volume gives you a much better arc, a much healthier way to build your strength and a much healthier way to, um, really build your technique as well. Like I think you can just build your technical proficiency with 
tons of reps. And I think most European countries have already kind of moved on from, you know, super high intensity stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I utilize a lot more volume to build strength than I do any kind of like, like intensity based training. Like I keep the intensity, I measure the intensity and keep it in a certain range, but I definitely don't, you know, push the intensity that hard, hardly ever until we get close to competitions. No. And I say that's the 100, 100% the, the main thing that, that athletes notice when they move to my place. This is like, like I was telling you guys before the show, I got a newer guy that started and the first thing he's like, yeah, I wasn't ready for that volume. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, you come in as a power lifter, and, you know, part of this, I'd hate to say it's due to that, but a, a, a large part of the powerlifting thing, like when I started, all there was was multiply lifting. For a long time there, that's all that's all there was to read, you know, about was multiply lifting training. And I now that I've stepped into a suit, I understand why they don't do a shitload of volume. It sucks. It hurts. It, you can't breathe. Like me doing a set of five in my suit, like I even changed my stuff to where, because a lot of times when we're in meat prep, we'll we'll run five rep, three rep, one rep cycles of weights, and I changed mine to three, two, one, because five just wasn't happening. Um, by rep three, I just couldn't get another breath at all. I, I couldn't get a breath into my suit. But uh, so, and now there's been for 15 years, a resurgence of raw. So most people competing are raw. Um, like, I don't have people walk into my gym, like, oh, I'm a multiply lifter. It just doesn't happen. Um, and there's very few single ply. So you see just this discrepancy there, and they don't – a lot of them are still training based off of shit they read that was based on multiply lifting. And I, it's understandable. You know, a lot of their volume came in their in their assistance work. And that's where they built muscle. And, you know, you come to the raw side of things and a lot of what we do is, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of volume with your main lifts. So yeah, it's a big difference. And that's the number one thing. It's just, and getting people in shape to finish a training session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they're used to coming in. Okay. We're going to go do like nine reps and some rows. No motherfucker. We're doing like 60 <laughs> reps and some rows and some this and some that. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like- yeah, I actually had this experience with uh, so because I had some guys go to do the the Chinese weightlifting program basically mm-hmm. from my program, and it was like when they came back to do stuff, it, they would do like you know snatch like five sets of three or three sets of three or something like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas like <laughs> we're almost doing, I mean right now we're doing. In terms of total volume, we're getting at least 100 reps above 60% mm-hmm. between squat, snatch, clean, and jerk in a given day. Yeah. Um, just as prep, like we'll drop that volume off next week as we get into American Open. But I mean, we're we're still, you know, training higher volume for the most part. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. I agree with that. Even with just, you know, general clients or, you know, I have some people to do powerlifting, some people to do physique, some people to do grip, obstacle course. It's kind of a wide variety of stuff. Um, Yeah, I tend to do much more of a volume-based approach because I find it's less risk, I think, too, uh, especially for online training because I don't have someone there watching them all the time. And... I think most people, if they're highly motivated, 
overestimate how much intensity they can actually do at a high quality. Like you may survive a session, but if we were to watch it, it's pretty crappy. So I think having a higher quality of volume is key. And you can obviously change that to wherever you want of if you use percentages or I use rep ranges just because it's easier to program. And then once you're hitting reps out of the rep range, then you just bump the weight up. So it's kind of a auto regulatory type thing too. And then if you're having a day that's a little bit, eh, you don't feel quite as good. You're still kind of working on the main uh, motor quality that I want you to work. And then volume and density are probably the things that change most often week to week. And it's a simple wave method. You're going to, you know, wave up to a peak in most likely volume, have a taper, and then just start that over again. And hopefully within, you know, a couple months, three, four, five, six, eight months, you're going to be doing more overall volume than what you did before. Even though if you kind of look at each little you know, cycle, it kind of looks similar, but you're doing more reps. I'll add in more exercises, you know, as you advance, I'll add in another day. So if you look at the amount of volume you're doing over time, it's actually uh, going up. But yeah. I, I find that people tend to get too aggressive with volume too. And I'm guilty of doing this in the past where I was like, okay, uh, volume's a ticket. Let's just add a, a, a set per week. So three sets, four sets, five sets, six sets. And the, then you realize, oh, that's like also unsustainable from just completing it with high quality work. And, yeah. you know, some clients don't have two hours to train. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I will say 100%, and I've told athletes this all the time, like we don't gain any strength on our heavy work. Like that's not where you get it from. And that's what annoys me. These people come up and like, bro, I need like an eight-week training program to peak for this meet. Dude, fucking, I'm not, okay, uh, but you're not going to get better. Basically, I'm just going to be able to make you realize what you've already done, which hopefully you've worked hard. Because uh, all that strength is gained early. Like, all ours is gained early in training cycles, and it's from all the volume. And then it's just refining that and getting used to heavy weight. Like, I wish, holy shit, I wish I could just do singles. If I could just go in and swap singles, bro, and get jacked, I'd be like, this is badass. I love singles. So. Yeah. Actually, I mean, so if you look at, uh, like, Boris Chico's book, which is, if you want to deep dive into, like, powerlifting percentages and percentage work, um, Chico's book is pretty good on that. I mean, it's really thick, but yeah, you can get through it. But, like, their average relative intensity for a lot of the, I would just say, Eastern European, like, even the Norwegian stuff, which is, like, high frequency, like, five, six days a week, their average relative intensity is, like, between 60 and 70%. Like, they, that's their, you know, intensity score. And with the Norwegian guy, I forget his name, uh, uh, Wolf something, Uh, but he, his stuff, like, you go through all of this volume, and then you kind of crescendo into like average relative intensity of like 75% at most. And then you don't ever even test. He just, either you do a meet and you hit like plain numbers or they just add like two and a half percent to your total. And then you work off of new percentages. Like, so you just keep working percentages until you go to meets. Yeah. So, and it's never like they go out out of their way to like test anything. So it, in training, like training is hard, but you're always in control of the weights. 
Yeah. I've kind of always liked this style of training myself, like with the exception of the most effective stuff I've had with was like some of Coach Bros' stuff where you get out of that range just for a couple reps, like you, you know, quote unquote max out, like you take a heavy single virtually every day. But that number can change, and you just base your percentage work off of that. But the discipline to get away from, like, everyone does that and thinks that the heavy singles are where they are doing yeah, the work. Yeah. But it's like the heavy single is just a test for the day. Like, it means nothing. Like, you heavy single, heavy double, whatever. It's that you're working in the right percentage. Like, you're guaranteed to be working in the right percentage if – if your 85% is 100% today, yes. and then that's what you got, you know, you hit that as your top single, then you're definitely working in the right volume for the day. But yeah, most people, that's tough. That's that's tough for get people to to realize, and it's yeah, because I've worked on a lot of that too, and it's like okay, we're going up to something hard, like an eight for the day, yeah, and they're pissed, like well. I'm, 50 pounds off my max. That doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't matter. It means yeah. nothing today. And getting people to realize that and be mature enough that it like today's number doesn't matter. You know, all we're looking to do is hit something heavy. Uh, it's, you know, we're not peeking out for this. We're not doing any of that shit. It's just something hard for the day. And you have to be a mature lifter to deal with that mentally. Yeah. Cause they're always, no matter what, they're coming in with their PR in mind. Yeah. I didn't hit it. Well, you're yeah, not doing it. I mean, like how important it is to like get out of that range just to mentally practice, at least in powerlifting, right? So to mentally practice your setup for that lift, like you do want to have enough weight on the bar that it challenges your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you want to get out of it sometimes, but the, like, cause if you have to do, if you just do a max rep sets, like we do some plus sets on Friday sometimes to kind of test. If you're just doing that and like you're super confident in the load on the bar as opposed to like, there's a level of uncertainty that you need to practice when you go into heavier weights for competition. Like you have to practice being uncertain and then killing it anyway. You know what I mean? Like you still get under the bar, you go through the right stuff. Like you make the, you know, that way you make some of those mistakes in training and not at the meet. Yeah. And I think part of it is just trusting that the overload principle works, but the time course of when it works is probably the biggest unknown, right? So if you, so if the lifts that I'm trying to improve, which I try to limit to a handful, that doesn't mean that's the only thing I'm doing, but those are the ones I'm going to track intensity, volume, and density. And if I'm making progress in volume and density, at some point it's going to transfer, right? And the only way you're going to know that is by looking at historically what you were before. But if I'm doing more volume and I'm doing a little bit heavier weight, I'm doing a better density, it's, it's only a matter of time where that's going to translate to intensity. Mm-hmm. And how it translates to intensity and where you break down, whether it's a technical breakdown or mental, et cetera. And Dave Tate's talked a lot about that. Um, that's a little bit different, but it will transfer. And the nice part is then if I did a – you know, for a while before I left on the Saxon bar, I was doing some pinch deadlift stuff. You know, I was at 150. Couldn't really get much past that, but I kept adding reps at 150 per session. And I you know, almost tripled the amount of volume over the course of four months I could do at 150. And then all of a sudden, one day I hit 160 very easy. 
you know, which yeah. on that lift, a, a jump of 10 pounds is a pretty, pretty significant uh, change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where people get impatient is wanting to know exactly where that point is. Oh, I, I, I did more volume, so I must be good for a one RM now. Meh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You know, and I think the experience is, okay, it, it feels like it's there today. I'm going to slowly go up and see where I'm at. Okay, yeah. it wasn't there. I'm going to do some volume work. Oh, yep, it was good. Boom, I hit it. Great. That's my new PR. Okay, now I'm back to submax work again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the tough part, too. I mean, because lifting heavy weights, lifting max weights is a skill in itself. Um, Definitely. You know, so that's a tough one, too, because you got to get that practice in. And that's where, for sure, you know, there's this change. Like, what I've noticed over the years is my beginning lifters and my advanced lifters, their programs start looking a lot the same. It's hmm. the people in the middle, you know, those intermediate lifters, that that's where they get a ton of volume. Like, like not that I don't give my beginning guys. It's like <sighs> programming simple for new people. And it starts getting really simple for really advanced people. In the middle, in that intermediate range is where I find it's like, okay, they need more of this assistance shit, more of this. Like, new people, like, I can just have them squat, press, deadlift. Like, they just suck. (laughs) You You need direct practice. (laughs) So they need most of their time at the big lifts, just getting even proficient with them. Yeah. Um, So, and then you get in that middle range. Okay, now we can throw more volume at you. Let's get a bunch of rows in, a bunch of this, a bunch of that. You know, we're more attacking weak points uh, because they have them now. You know, before they were just weak. Yeah. And now, now they have weak points, so we have things we need to attack. And then you get like, you start getting to elite advanced, and it's like, okay, shit gets really simple again. You know, yeah. we're just practicing our competition list a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, exactly what assistance work works for you the best. Yep. Yep. I mean, even the West Side guys, like, who have this crazy diverse, you know, approach or whatever with movements, it's like, when you listen to Louie, when he talks about his more advanced guys, he's like, oh, so-and-so likes this lift. Mm-hmm. He does this, this. Like, they get it down to, like, the the few lifts that work the best for that lifter. Yes. You know, and obviously our approach is a lot simpler. We don't have all the trinkets and toys and stuff, but it's still the same. It's like we know if your back is, we'll say, normally the weak point, we know we just got to keep adding back work for you. Yeah. Or if we know that you, you can't maintain your posture or whatever, or maybe your hamstrings are weak, we know what movements work best for you as opposed to or what you need to do more of. But you still end up like, I mean, obviously weightlifting is a little bit different because of the, the strength curve on weightlifting movements, but it's the same thing. Like, we don't spend a ton of time. Like we'll work hang and I, I don't do any block stuff anymore, but people work off the blocks and do a lot of that stuff. And it's like, but you learn towards the end of your, not towards the end, but as you get deeper into the game, you're like, this position is where I need the most work. Mm-hmm. And then you spend time there and then try to translate that to, to the floor position. Yeah, and then there's the fact that, like, in the beginning, it's real easy to, like, I can take a new person and we'll PR everything, you know, <laughs> after a training cycle. And then you get an advanced lifters and it's like, Generally, I'm looking to move one lift at a time. Yeah. You know, like, let's get your squat up. Like, we'll use a training cycle, you know, at least three months to work on one lift. 
Not that we don't do the other ones. We're just not expecting those others to come up. Just kind of maintain those. Yeah, maintain those, bring one left up. Um, that's like me. I've worked the last several years on just getting my squat up to par with my deadlift. And now, of course, what happens to me? I go into a meet and I've missed my first 700 deadlift in 15 years. It's like, eh, well, fuck. Time to work on the deadlift again. <laughs> you know? Because now I squatted 767, but I only deadlifted 680. So it's like, oh shit, now this one's behind. Um, but, I mean, I'm not stupid. I also understand that the fact that I squatted over 730 pounds three times in a row, that probably took a little out of me for the deadlift. Um, <laughs> but and, still, you're lower, yeah. and your form was a little bit different. And yeah. You know, a little bad, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I wasn't upset at all. But you, you get somebody earlier in their lifting career, and they'd be like, oh, geez, I fucking suck. You know, I, I was 80 pounds off my max, and. Yeah, dude, but look what you did on the lift before it. It was 180 pounds higher than what you've done before. Uh, You know, there's a lot of people think this, like they hit a lift. I don't know, anything, 315 squat, and they think they own that shit now forever. Yeah. And it's like, uh, that's not the way it works, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I started trying to explain it to kind of my newer lifters. I just have some newer, younger guys who are doing powerlifting. And I've always had this opinion for weightlifting, but in terms of powerlifting, it's like I'm not I'm not really trying to raise your third lift. I'm trying to raise your opener. Like that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yes. Like your yep. opener going up is where your strength is actually yep. you know going up. Your third lift or your PR is going up. That has to do with yeah your strength, but a lot of it's your technical proficiency at that weight. Like if you can kill your opener and then you start missing two or three, then it's not. Unless you open too heavy, which yeah, we I don't think I mean thanks to you and like people I've been, had in my life that told me not to be a dumbass with openers, but it's like I I don't open too heavy. Like the yes. opener doesn't mean anything. You just gotta get on the board. Like yep. But like after that, you know that's where your technical proficiency comes in because that's your technical proficiency at your ninety plus percent weights, mm-hmm. right? Like like how can you maintain at that? But in terms of your actual strength going up, like your opener and your last warm up, like being able to kill your opener, like a heavier opener, that's where success is. Like you are mm-hmm. really getting stronger if you're pushing your opener up every single time that you go to a meet and you kill it every time. Yes. You can't just throw a heavier opener on there and then grind it out and then say, oh, I'm moving my opener up. Like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you should be guaranteed, like, especially in powerlifting. Powerlifting bomb outs I always thought were like the goofiest thing, man. Like oh, you should definitely yeah. kill your open. You should make three lifts: yeah. a squat, a bench, and a deadlift. You should yeah. guarantee yourself that. Yep. Yeah, more so that like the snatch shit happens. Yeah, weightlifting is different because yeah. that thing can people go get a little like, nervous and yeah and uh, but yeah, power, like there's no excuse to miss a squat, like bomb out of a squat, and that's what I was honestly scared this time. I missed my first lift. And I decided to go all fucking, uh, what's his name from Westside, uh. Vogelpole? Yeah, I decided to go all Vogelpole. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm scared to lift. Add more weight. Bar. Yeah, she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And, uh, and I missed that. And, and I was like, oh shit, I might bomb out of my first meet ever. And then, no, I did it, but, uh, I'm just glad in hindsight that I, cause I was going to go up again. I was like, I'm just going 800. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm glad I did. But, uh, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just you're just either your coach or you're just being a dumbass if you if you bond about a powerlifting meet. I mean, call an opener, especially on the squad. Yeah, because but... you're so nervous, especially if you're a new lifter. That's where all the nerves are. You get one lift in, and shit just starts rolling. It settles down. Everything slows down. All right, I'm in the game. You know, and yeah, usually after the, that, people are good. When you make that jump, like the the rest time is is guaranteed. Like you're guaranteed yeah. the exact same rest time. Like yeah. you can you can fuck yourself in weightlifting if you make a huge jump. Like if you kill an opener and make a huge jump, that could be the difference between you resting, you know, two or three minutes between a lift and like mm-hmm. ten to fifteen minutes. Yes, which is a lot different in weightlifting than it is in powerlifting. But in powerlifting, because the flights are the same. Yes. It's like you're, you can make a hundred pound jump after that first lift. Like, yep. and you'll rest about the same. Like, it's not going to be that much different. Nope. Yeah. You might move like one person. Yeah. You know, you're, you're guaranteed the much. same, like five, what would you say? Five to 12 minutes between yeah. lifts, yeah. right? You're guaranteed that pretty much. Yep. And weightlifting, you could, like, if you don't make a big enough jump, let's say your opener is too high. You could end up falling yourself and really screwing yourself up. Yeah. Like you have to make three lifts in two, you know, in six minutes. Yep. Yeah, that's that's also getting into a whole different thing. That's why Olympic weightlifting is more fun to coach. But there's more shit for the coach to do. <laughs> you know, you can <laughs> you can screw other lifters and hopefully not screw your lifter. And yeah, there's all those weird little jumps and things you can do. So strength field jumps, baby. That's what it's all about <laughs> in weightlifting. I still remember pissing people off, both of us. We'd walk in, and they, there's an unwritten rule that's going around somewhere, or there was. You're starting to see it change a little bit in weightlifting. Like, everybody took, like, two kilo jumps. Mm. And then me and Darrell would show up, and we'd take, like, 15 kilo jumps. We'd be like, <laughs> you can't do that. Well, we just did it. <laughs> yeah, illegal. We opened easy, and now we're going big. You know, we're in the yeah. meat. So... Uh, well, part of it for me with playing around with the cards is because I would take so many people that if I control the cards, I can tell, I can basically control when my people lift. I can see all the warm-up yes. lifts I want to see. So I, I manipulate the cards for my sake so I can, like, at local meets. That's why they get they get frustrated with that because they, like, they act like I'm stealing lifts, which mm-hmm. I, in, inadvertently I am, like where I'm, like, stealing your clock. It was like, no, I'm putting people where I want them to go. So then yes. – it's like I can see their lift. Like I can guarantee that I'm going to see my lifter hit their last warm up, or I can yeah. guarantee I'm going to see my lifter, you know, do whatever. Like and guarantee their opener. So I use all my changes. Yeah. But at local meets, it's like, why are you doing that? I was like, well, because I got five people here, man. Like, you know, two at the front end of the meet, two in the middle, and then like one at the end. Like, so yeah. I gotta, I gotta play the game a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, they do get frustrated with that, but yes, they do. But it's fun. <laughs> <sighs> so, so I don't have any friends uh, weightlifting. <laughs> <laughs> Steal all their clocks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. It was a good conversation. I hope everybody yeah. had a happy Thanksgiving. So, what do we got? We got a couple more before Christmas, but we will catch you guys next week for another episode. See ya. All right. See ya.